Hello, per use. This is the trophy room, and watch this. I know exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh my gosh, we have a pod on Monday morning. That's going to get me through at least an hour of this boring lecture, work, whatever you got going on today. So we're there. But here's the other thing you're thinking. Wow, today sucks because it's my first post-holiday Monday. Got to go back to work. If you're like me, I'm going back to school. I just landed in Utah last night for you guys two nights ago, but I'm back. I'm getting my setup. I actually have a new mic stand that I'm setting up for my new apartment when I move in tomorrow, but it's okay. We're going to get through it. As always, I am your fearless host, Brett Hammer. We are here to save your miserable post-holiday Monday. It's okay. Okay, coming up. The SEC Championship has been set for January 10th. Don't know if you heard. I'm going to tell you why the playoffs absolutely need expansion more than ever. We're having that conversation again. And why did an NFL star start stripping on the field on Sunday? I'm giving it all to you. Okay. Fun thing, actually, which probably most of you don't know, but just a little secret to my process. It's weird sitting here by myself just talking because obviously me and Jackson's schedules don't always line up and sometimes I just got to get things out in fact I almost had to record Saturday night because I was so fired up after the idiocy of Luke Fickle which I'm going to give you in a second during that game Friday night Saturday night Friday night holy cow but it's hard when I'm sitting here by myself and if you've never done it before then or if you have sat and talked to yourself for an hour then you know exactly what I'm talking about but it's hard for me because I'm not really sure who's listening. I'm not sure if I'm drowning myself out with the sound of my own voice. So I actually, the intro music that you're listening to right now or just ended like two seconds ago, I actually play that for an hour straight. Like like that is in my headphones for the entire time that I'm going by myself. Fun fact that I bet you did not know. Here's what we do know though. How about them bulldogs? How about them dogs? And if you are someone who doesn't believe that the SEC is everything that it says it is, well, congratulations. You don't know football. It felt so good. Let me tell you what. Let me just. <sighs> December 7th or whatever it was, whenever we played Alabama, that was a tough a night. Holy cow. That was a tough night because. I really believed that we could beat Bama. And Bama is like this. I don't even have a word for it. I want to sound hyper intelligent, but it's, it, she's the one that got away. Like every single time I think, okay, this narrative proves that we can stand up to these boys. Every single time I'm proven wrong. So we'll get to my Bama Georgia pick in a few days. I'm going to give you a little bit of a pregame hype reel, but man, it felt so good. Sad Friday night after the three weeks of waiting from just getting pummeled, just throat chomped, neck stomped, to just put my face in the ground across the concrete and just drag it. I had to try not to be biased, but man, did that feel good to curb stomp the Michigan Wolverines because I I wouldn't necessarily call myself an expert more than the average human being. I would say that I pay attention more to sports than the average human being. And as a result, 
I have a podcast. And as a result of that, I often get asked by people around me who are casual. They say, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And again, I don't pretend to be an expert. I just pretend to care a little bit more than the average person. And I got a lot of questions about this Michigan-Georgia game. A lot of people asking. And I said, honestly, I could see this game going in Michigan's favor. I could see them beating us. Obviously, I was wrong. And I actually picked, if you listen to the podcast, I picked Michigan. Now, don't give me BS. Don't give me crap. You know why I picked Michigan. It wasn't because I genuinely thought they were a way better team than us. But as Zendaya says in Spider-Man, if you expect disappointment, you'll never be disappointed. So let me just rip off for you just, what did I tell you? When they don't get the run game going, J.J. McCarthy does not, Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, the quarterbacks, do not play well. Okay? So they combined for pass attempts of 35. 35 attempts. They were 18, or sorry, 36. They were 18 of 36. And what did I tell you? When, when Michigan has to throw the ball, they don't play well. I told you this was going to be the case. I did not expect Georgia to come off firing like they did. But if you watch that game, you know one thing. Those dogs were hungry, and more than that, they were angry. They were fervently, viciously disgusted with what happened on the field a few weeks ago, and they wanted everyone to know we were not overrated. Because a lot of you, yes, a lot of you said, well, maybe Georgia's schedule just wasn't that tough. And maybe they just dominated teams that weren't that good. First of all, you play who you play, and if you dominate everyone who you play, there weren't that many of you giving Cincinnati that same treatment, first of all. I was, and I was right about Cincinnati. Georgia, you play who you play, first of all. Played Arkansas when they were top 10, clapped them. Played Kentucky when they were top 10, clapped them. They played multiple, multiple top 25 teams and clapped them. Georgia played who they played, and they killed who they played. SEC bias is some BS. When you're the best, it's not called bias. It's called being better than you. And there's a lot of you who thought, oh, well, Georgia just isn't that good. Congratulations. You don't know football. Because what you should have known is that Michigan was a sh- iffy team. They were shoddy. They were streaky all season long. They played close games with bad teams. Say what you want about Georgia. When they played who they played, they whooped up on them. And that's why Stetson Bennett went 20 for 30 for 313 yards. Sorry, my mic stand literally just showed up at my door. So I had to go grab that. Okay. I'm going to I I honestly forgot where it was, but I'm going to try and get back on track. But I just want everyone to know that thought that Georgia could not beat Michigan that not only did they beat them but they railed them. In and and this is important for a couple of reasons. First of all, Everyone who, every year, y'all do this. Y'all like to say that the, the SEC is not that good. Top-heavy is a separate argument, but good is not. They're good because they just filled up the uh, national championship. It's an SEC championship rematch because none of you guys are good enough to compete. I hate to be that guy, but I, I'm going to be for a little bit because I'm just so happy about the fact that we upset Michigan apparently we were three and they were two not sure how that's an upset but 
we were obviously better than them. Like, literally every single Georgia running back. Like, okay, everybody. Zamir White averaged four and a half yards per carry. Dejon Edwards came in at the end of the game, averaged 10 yards per carry. Stetson Bennett, 10 yards per carry. James Cook, 10 yards per carry. Ladd McConkey, 8 yards per carry. Like, there were for 190 yards. And then, this is the beautiful thing. They got the ground game how they wanted. And also, they munched that guy, Aiden Hutchinson, munched him. Put him in the ground. There was a couple plays. George Pickens pancaked the receiver in front of him. Like, these boys want to run the football. And the even better part is they were able to run the football. They were also able to pass, which has not always been a pure strength of Georgia. They ended up with a total of 331 receiving yards, four passing touchdowns. And one of them came from a running back. I'm not saying that Georgia is 100% in position to beat Bama. But there was nothing Michigan was able to run against these guys. And that again, that defense looked angry. And let's not forget, they're out their number one pass rusher, Adam Anderson. Because of a sexual misconduct. Um, woman claimed he raped her. Non-consensual sex. He passed polygraph tests, but I digress. Georgia whooped up on Michigan, and that felt so good to disprove everyone else. There's not a whole lot I can say about that game other than I hope you lost money on it. I hope you bet on Michigan. I really hope you did. On to my next recap from the weekend. So, I'm pretty sure if you took anyone... You ask man or woman that doesn't know sports, and you say, okay, and you just take a picture of that line of scrimmage for most of the Cincinnati-Alabama game. Just take a picture and say, okay, there's five down linemen, there's a running back, and maybe a fullback. And then on the other side, they see what Cincinnati had running. And if you, if, if you know what I'm talking about, think about the game. I'll tell you in a second. I'd be willing to bet that 70% of people could diagnose what was going to happen based on the line of scrimmage that was set up before the play even ran. Here's the issue. Any moron who plays Madden, even the worst people at Madden, know when there's three down linemen, you always check to inside zone. You always check to halfback dive. Because if you win the line of scrimmage, this is a concept, a principle that has not changed since football began. You win the line of scrimmage, you win the football game. You don't have to do anything else. I don't understand. I cannot comprehend how Cincinnati was planning on beating Alabama. Alabama, this is not Central Michigan. This is not Middle Tennessee. This is not East Zimbabwe Community Dental College. This is Alabama. I don't understand how you were planning on beating one of the greatest rushing teams in the history of football. A team who perennially puts out running back, Heisman, trophy finalists, and winners. How you were planning on beating them with three down linemen. From a schematics standpoint, that makes zero sense to me. And here's the other thing. When you control the line of scrimmage, when you run the football, you control the clock. You get to do whatever you want. 
And that's what they did. The first 10 plays of the game for Alabama were run plays. And then they passed when they didn't even really have to, but just because they could to introduce some nuance into the offense. They threw the ball for a touchdown. Bryce Young only threw 28 passes. Usually he's in the 30s and 40s. Brian Robinson had 26 carries for 204 yards. And that's 8 yards per carry, people. 8 yards per carry. Trey Sanders, 14 carries for 70 yards. That's 5 yards per carry. They did whatever they wanted on the line of scrimmage. So Bryce Young only had to throw for 180 yards. He only had to throw when they got into tight situations when Cincinnati did what? Loaded the line of scrimmage. And what happens when you load the line of scrimmage? Again, at that point, you have to stop the run because you know it's what's coming. But when you pull that many guys out of coverage, you put them on the line, what happens? You have no one in coverage against the maybe like one of the best passing offenses in the country. So look, Fickle, I love you. Actually, I don't. I'm not going to say that disingenuously. I don't I, I don't think Cincinnati is that talented. And obviously they weren't. But I will give Cincinnati props. For as much smacked as I talked about them, they put six points up on the board. And to be fair, they held Alabama to 27. Alabama didn't score in the third quarter. And Alabama didn't, in the first quarter, only scored seven points. And only 10 in the second. Like, they didn't have a quarter where they blew up. They kicked a field goal uh, two out of their five scoring drives. So, I'll give them a little bit of credit for hanging with them. But, Cincinnati, it doesn't matter if you have the best corners. And this, again, you want to go out and say, well, we have the best corners in the country. Well, look at it like this. If you have the best corners in the country, use them. Put the pressure on them. If you really believe that they're that good, why do you feel the need to drop eight guys into coverage? I'd be willing to bet it's because you're not that confident in stopping the pass game, which is fair. But that lets me know you don't really truly believe that your corners are the best because I'd be arguing that there are corners that are able to slow down the rest of the offense, maybe not John Mechie. And the other issue is, and we had this conversation the other day, it doesn't matter how many guys you drop into coverage, doesn't matter. If Bryce Young has all day to throw the football, which he did, the best corner in the world cannot stop that from happening. The best coverage, the best DB is a good pass rush. And when you're getting three guys on an offensive line that has two or three NFL draft picks, you're not getting home to the quarterback, you're not rushing him, to make close, make quick decisions. And that's why you lost the game. I will give them props, though. The spread was 22 points. They only lost by 21. So I, I will give them that. And to their credit, especially if you watch the way Notre Dame played the other day, and we'll get to that in a second, but Cincinnati was probably the most deserving team to get that four spot. I think Baylor would have handled it better. But all that being said, Cincinnati deserved it. And yes, played well, but not good enough. And 
if you want to argue that you're worthy of being in the college football playoff, that doesn't get to mean we just get to be there. No, if you're going to be there, you have to act like you belong. And you did not act like you belonged at all. It was clear that you were at the wrong party. You walked into the wrong house. So Cincinnati, I don't think they're on probation the same way that Oklahoma or Notre Dame should be from the playoffs. But I also don't believe that Cincinnati was that good and that they were good enough to be worthy of the four spot. Alabama's average margin of victory in semifinal playoff games is 22 points. So then that brings us to this argument. So I'm in a group chat with a bunch of buddies in my fantasy football league. And one of them brings up this point that this is why the playoffs should not be expanded. And I actually believe 100% the contrary. To me, this is every reason that the playoffs need to be expanded. And here's why. If, if you watch the New Year's Six Bowls, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because there were a lot of good games. Like, just straight off the top. Let's just go with... Let's go with... Who's the first real ranked matchup? Okay, Michigan State and Pitt. That's a close game. Tight game. 21-31. Two-possession game. Neither of their big NFL guys played. Imagine how much better of a game that is if Kenny Pickett and KJ, uh, not KJ, Kenneth Walker. I don't know why I always think his name is Kenneth or KJ. Oh my gosh, it is Kenneth. Wow. Yeah, just can't get the guy's name right. But, and then you have Oklahoma, Oregon, also a ranked matchup. Again, not under the 12 seed, so they wouldn't have qualified, but that was also a very close game, especially towards the end. Then you have Pitt, Michigan State, we just talked about. And then we have uh, the madness that was the New Year's Six Bowls. The Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, Utah, Ohio State, Baylor, Ole Miss. All of those games were so entertaining. All of them. They were, uh, pretty much all were within a one-possession game, except for Baylor and Ole Miss. And if you watch that game, you know that was a defensive battle the entire way through. It was just big body shots of we are going to go for it on fourth down. We are not kicking field goals. It was a old – that, that was a Madden game. Matt Corral gets injured. Backup quarterback comes back. And to his credit, coming back, playing against one of the best defenses in the country – Filling in the shoes for Matt Corral played exceptionally well. 21-7, that was a hard-fought game. If you watched it and you like defense, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Then we have Utah, Ohio State, where Jackson Smith and Jigba said, hey, I'm going to just come play by myself. Goes off for 350 yards and three touchdowns. And Cam Rising on the other side ran for about 100 yards. And if he doesn't get injured, I think Utah maybe wins that game. But that game was electric. Britton Covey returning kicks left and right. And then Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, 37-35. Here's the deal. The whole purpose of winning, like in the NFL, we know if you're the number one seed, you get a first-round bye. You get the advantage of playing the worst team. So you say, well, if we expand the playoffs, same thing's going to happen. Yes, you're right to some degree. But here's the issue. None of these games mean anything. Think about that. Bowl games mean literally nothing. 
absolutely nothing. It doesn't affect your college football playoff ranking. I mean, I guess there's some rankings at the end that you could buy into, but that, it, it literally means nothing. There's a reason NFL guys who aren't going to the playoffs don't play in these games other than Matt Corral because he's a baller and Matt Corral, even though he was injured, I don't care what the injury is. The fact that he played in this bowl game and got injured, that shows me what kind of character he has. Regardless of how you feel about him as a football player, most people are saying he's the number one two quarterback in the draft. The guy's a baller. He plays football. He loves football. And I think a lot of these guys don't love football. They love the money they can make from football. But Matt Corral was not that guy. And I love him for that. And if I'm an NFL GM, if I'm a scout, I say, wow, this kid has heart. This is the type of kid that plays in the Super Bowl with a broken leg. This is some Jack Youngblood stuff, some Terrell Owens stuff. Guy loves a game of football. But think about what I'm saying. I feel like if if you take someone who doesn't know football, doesn't know college sports, and you explain bowls to them, I guarantee a question running through their head is, wait, why do they play this game? It just seems like a cool exhibition. And there's a trophy at the end, which is half of a participation trophy, if we're being honest. Because all do playing well really means is you get to play an exhibition against another really good team. But the, the, the value of that game is zero. Nothing actually comes out of it at the end. Like, think about that. That's basically a taboo topic. Like, we don't talk about that. We don't mention the fact that these games don't mean anything. As a case, so Oklahoma State and Notre Dame are, are, are battling for what? They're not making more money out of this game. Utah and Ohio State are going down to the wire for what? Nothing. They're not making more money. And and I, this this guy I know made this argument. Well, why don't we just find NIL deals that will pay them more money? Dude, why would they do that when most of these guys are going to the NFL can just say, no, I'm not going to play because I'm going to go make real money. Not NIL money. Real money. But imagine in this... Utah, Ohio State, this Baylor, Ole Miss, this Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, and you say, no, this game matters. So when Britton Covey's returning that last kick, you say, no, if you if you get a touchdown off of this, you're going to the next round of the playoffs. Because, yes, Alabama and whoever's number two are going to blow out whoever they play in the first round. But at least the rest of the games will be close because they mean something, and NFL guys who are the guys we come to watch anyway will stay and play. If you don't believe the college football playoffs need to be expanded, you don't really love football. And if you're an Alabama fan, you don't really know football. You don't really understand football. You just like that it's fun to have a sticker that says, hey, my football team won the game this week. But you don't really love football. You just get you like the feeling of winning. But you don't really know anything else. You don't love the team. You don't love the players. And honestly, that's most Alabama fans. And that's okay. We understand why you are the way that you are. And you can say, oh, well, it's because you guys lose that you feel X, Y, or Z. And this is how you make you feel so better. Maybe. But we can say we love our team up or down. And you can't say that. The playoffs absolutely need, like, need to. It's critical for the sport. Think about this. 
what company can say they generate $1 billion in the attention of nearly every American, even those who don't like sport, in one month? Oh, yeah, March Madness does that. They generate a $1 billion. $1 billion. And I'm sure there's plenty of other money flying around other places from all kinds of advertisements, tickets, and like everything. There's so much money that flows in and out of this thing. I'm not equivocating or analogizing that you could instantly make fifty, make a billion dollars if you expanded this thing, but you're easily making more money because more people are watching. Why would I go and sit up and watch a game that doesn't mean anything? If that's the case, then explain to me why playoff games get more views than regular bowl games. Because you don't feel that if you miss a regular season, a regular bowl game. Because if you miss it, like big whoop, nothing really happened. Nothing significant came out of the end of that. I there is no argument to keeping the playoffs to four teams. So I I've, I've heard another guy say the other day that we should go back to the BCS. Again, what if we just did that in the NFL? He said, "Well, if we give all the this 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 guy in this group chat said, well, if we give all these teams bids to the playoff, that's a participation trophy. How is it any less of a participation trophy?" Or any more one than we have right now. Every bowl game is a participation trophy. It's just advertisement and money. So everyone can say, woo, we played a game. And then we get to go back home. Playoffs mean, the regular bowl games mean nothing. And there's a reason I don't really, like, I'm not super psyched to watch them. It's nice to have football on. But what if we just did that in the NFL? Like, what if at the end of the day we said, okay, we're going to take... The four teams that we subjectively believe are the best. And we're just going to let everybody else play a nice, cute game. There are no NFL players or coaches that would go for that. There will be a slap in the face. Because the game means nothing. And when in America have we ever played games that meant nothing? For high-stakes money. Nowhere. That's not business. Okay, last thing. I have found the key to beating Alabama. Of course, in order to do it, you have to beat Bama first. So it's a little bit of a catch-22, a little bit of a paradox, but just listen to me. We're not going to spend all day on this, but we will say this. Do you understand who's number one in recruiting for the class of 2022? I bet you don't. I bet you think it's Alabama or Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah, it's none of them. It's a team that finished their record. Let me just look real quick because I don't even know this off the top of my head. If you know who I'm talking about, good for you. You actually pay attention to the rest of the world. So Texas A&M finished. I, I don't even know. But by all records, everyone would say, oh, well, their season wasn't that good. They didn't make the conference championship, and they, lo- they lost four games. Yeah, well, one of those games that they won is significantly more important than any ones that they lost. Because their national recruiting rank is one. Their SEC rank is one. They just got the number one linebacker in that class today. The number one linebacker. They have the number two overall recruit in a defensive lineman, Walter Nolan, who's number one in his position, number one D lineman. They have the number six overall player, the number 
number two receiver. The number 16 overall player, another D-lineman, who's the number four for all D-linemen. They also have the number three cornerback and the number two quarterback. Yeah, they have six five-stars. If you're a Big 12 or a Big 10 fan and you don't know what that's like, that's a lot. And to me, like, like really, what has Texas A&M had going for them in the past who knows how long? Not a lot. Subpar football play. Six-win seasons. Everyone getting fired as the head coach until Jimbo Fisher. I don't believe that Jimbo Fisher is a supreme recruiter to the rest of the world. He's not better than Saban. And, and I don't know that he's better than Kirby Smart, but here's what he says. Here's what all he has to say is. Look, I get it. You want to go to Bama because you want to win a national championship. But if you come here, I can beat Bama. Because he's the only one of Nick Saban's assistants to beat him. Yes, LSU won two years ago, but Ed Orgeron was not a Nick Saban assistant. And a lot of these guys in the in college football are Nick Saban assistants. Dan Lanning, new head coach at Oregon, he was an assistant. Michigan State head coach, he was an assistant. Kirby Smart, he was an assistant. Jimbo Fisher, he was an assistant. Jimbo Fisher's the only one to do it. So he gets to go into these kids' homes and say, you can beat the best. Because what I always say, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. No, we, we can beat the best. And logic would tell you that if you beat the best, you are now the best. So if you're Georgia, you have to look at this and say, all of this is a result of the fact that they beat Alabama. Guys are coming here and saying, no, we can be the best. We can run the SEC. Because there's new bottom feeders coming in in the form of Oklahoma and Texas. Texas is about to be the Vanderbilt of the SEC. Just put my word of mouth on it. I'm calling it right now. But Texas A&M has blown up recruiting solely because, I mean, yes, they're an SEC school, but this is way different than what they've been doing in the past. Yes, they've been on the rise, but they have six five stars in two number one position. And it's because they beat Alabama. Because that is the only line you have to drop in a recruiting. You can beat the best. And kids are tired of watching Alabama win. And that's not a knock on Alabama. Like if people are tired of seeing you win, that means you better be pretty darn good. And they are. But you can beat that and be even better. Okay. We have what I believe. All right. We do. We have an update to your NFL playoff picture. So here's how it is. Nothing changed with the Titans. Titans are number one. They've clinched their division and obviously a playoff spot as a result. Now, here's where things get interesting. The Chiefs are 11-5 also. They've clinched their division. Which means... The Chiefs play the Bengals next week. Titans play the Dolphins next week. If one wins and the other loses, the other one solidifies themselves as the number one seed. So, there's that. Then you have the Bengals, who also clinched the playoff spot by clinching their division today. 
as they took down the Kansas City Chiefs, which was amazing. Sorry, I don't know why I said that the Chiefs, that was stupid. But both are 11-5. and five. That was accurate. Titans, Chiefs, both 11-5. and five. Chiefs beat the Bengals, or Chiefs lost to the Bengals today. Sorry. And Titans beat the Dolphins today. Bills also clinched playoffs. Patriots also clinched today by clapping the Jacksonville Jaguars. Absolutely destroyed them. Blew them out of the water. So that means there's two playoff spots left. The Colts, in order to make the playoffs, have to get a win next week after they lost to the Raiders today. The Chargers also would need to win because if they lose and the Raiders win, then they would get him because they're both nine and seven. So right, but they but they hold tiebreaker over the Raiders, so that's why that works out. Somehow the Ravens at eight and eight are also still in the play of hunt, and so are the Steelers at seven and seven. But again, they need the Colts to lose next week. I believe the Colts play the Jaguars. So there's your NFL playoff picture over there on the AFC NFC. Packers clapped the Vikings today. So, no change. Rams beat the Ravens today. Clinched playoffs. Buccaneers beat barely. Very close game between the Jets and the Buccaneers today. Very interesting. Zach Wilson actually looked very talented. And somehow the Jets put the Buccaneers in a difficult situation. I don't think the Buccaneers' secondary is that good. I'm not sure what happened last year. I think the pass rush was just so good, and the linebacking core was good that it made the secondary look amazing. Again, what I tell you earlier, an amazing coverage is an amazing pass rush. That's how you do it. They're also really banged up, so that doesn't help. Then you have the Cowboys, who lost to the Cardinals today, but they still have clinched their division because the Eagles and Washington, the Eagles... And New York are that bad. Because the Eagles also clinched the playoffs by winning today. The Cardinals also clinched the playoffs today. Cowboys. just This is just a fun little stat that I'm going to throw out there. That I bet a lot of you didn't know. Trayvon Diggs leads the league in interceptions, yeah. But he's also given more yards up as a receiver than any other corner in the league. He's given up 1,000 yards. And you saw A.J. Green burn him on a double move today. It's because he tries to bait quarterbacks. When it works, you get picks. When it doesn't work, you get burned. In the hunt left is the 49ers. They could get the last playoff spot. The Saints could get it, but they need the 49ers to lose, and they have to win. So that's how things are in the uh, NFL, in the playoff picture, in the NFC and the AFC. Also, if you hadn't heard, Antonio Brown is no longer a Buccaneer. The dude uh, started stripping on the sideline. I guess what happened was Bruce Arians asked him to go in the game. Not sure why. For some reason, he refused, took off his jersey, his shirt, his gloves, threw them all into stands, ran across the field by himself. Security thought he was a fan because he was wearing no shirt, just running across the field. Walks out, gets his clothes on, asked state troopers for a ride to the airport. Wouldn't give him one, so he had to Uber to the airport. How the mighty fall. It is mind-blowing to see how far Antonio Brown has come and where he is now. And to see these ups and downs from one of the greatest receivers of all time. 
or what could have been one of the greatest receivers of all time because he really was that electric that quick and some of the best hands we've ever seen. He was such an elite combination, and it was so inspiring for a guy that was that size. And you have to you have to believe that there's some kind of unfortunate mental health going on with Antonio Brown. And so I feel for him. I hope his kids are doing well. I hope he's doing well. I hope he gets his life together. But I have a hard time believing Tom Brady stuck his neck out for him, and he essentially slapped Tom Brady in the face with what he did today. So I hope all goes well in his home, but I can't see Antonio Brown getting another shot in the NFL. If you're anything like me, you are either going back to school tomorrow or going back to work tomorrow. I'm going back to school and moving in, and I have so much going on. So I'm not going to keep running this tonight, but this was just a quick reaction. We're going to get back into the pod coming up this week once I get my apartment set up, my new mic stand set up, and we are working. I've talked to the boys. I'm really excited about the new podcast we're going to put out. I think you're going to really, really like it. It's going to be in a, like just a stupid, hilarious, intelligent, fun social commentary. It's going to be our dating lives. It's going to be dating in general. One of us is married, so we'll get, I'm sure we'll get conversation there it's gonna be like a sitcom but real life and it's a podcast and we're gonna have so much fun I, these guys are hilarious they're family like they're my best friends and i think you guys are really really gonna like it. it's gonna be exciting i'm really excited to put it all together that is my time go dogs have fun watching the sec i mean sorry the national championship on january 10th and just just plow through monday it's gonna be okay cheers <laughs>